Is it still morning? Oh, yeah. So, good morning. Um, you know, here we have lunch at 11.30, so I always get confused. Is it lunchtime? Is it afternoon? So, it's still morning. My name is Grace, like Gary said. I'm from Nairobi in Kenya, in East Africa. And I'm super excited to be here. Uh, I work with Nairobi Chapel. That's my church, my home, that I love very much. And one of our visions is to plant global churches around the world. Uh, and our vision is to plant 300 churches by 2020. And, and we have another vision for 2050. But for 2020, which is next year, uh, we have managed by God's grace to plant 271 churches. Uh, yeah, we praise God for that. Uh, we praise the Lord for that. These churches are in Kenya, they're in Africa, and they're outside uh, Africa. We have one in London, we have one in Australia, in Germany, in New Zealand, and we are trusting God to have many more. Yeah, we have one in Dubai. Uh, we are trusting God to go into India, into Philippines, into Canada. San Francisco is coming up. And we bless the Lord for what he's doing in us and through us. And I began my journey of church planting uh, back in Kenya and was part of a new church plant there. And after being there for some time, I felt the call to do global church planting. And by that, not local, not Kenya, so outside Kenya. And I began my journey to experience church in a different culture. And by God's grace, I got an opportunity to be in India for some time and Philippines for some time. And now here I am in the U.S. for some time. And thank you, Summit, for allowing me to be here and for allowing me the opportunity to, to experience church in the Western culture. It's been beautiful. It's been amazing. One of the things that I love about Summit is the love they have for people. Oh, my God. I came and I just felt the love. I felt at home. Uh, have I been homesick? I don't know. I felt at home. And I have loved the passion for the word of God and the zeal to preach the word of God and the passion to bring the word even to the communities and homes. It's just been beautiful. Summit has just been amazing. And they love that vision of creating Christ-centered communities around everyone. If you're not in one, get into one today. It's just been amazing. I've been part of that and just been amazing. My passion is in discipleship, church planting, if you're writing new notes, and food. <laughs> uh, because these are the main things we need in life. We need food to survive. But because of food, I've got to meet many people and we've eaten together. Some who are strangers have become friends and now they're family and just been exciting uh, to do that. And I have had opportunities to visit different spaces in Orlando and the beauty of this land uh, after the heat went, it's just been really, really beautiful. You have beautiful lakes everywhere. There's a lake everywhere, everywhere, but there are, there are gators in them, so you don't want to get into them. Please don't. And there are also very beautiful parks, very beautiful sceneries where you can go run, you know, if you can see it. But you need to go at the right time before the bugs come in. So it's, it's just been amazing. But besides that, the theme parks and everything, it's just been awesome. And a few, a few weeks ago, I, I got a chance to go to SeaWorld. You know what happens at SeaWorld? No? Okay. So when you go there, <laughs> there, is, there is this atmosphere of fun and people are having fun and, you know, everybody is happy. Kids are screaming and having fun and adults are screaming and having fun. And, and there are these coasters, the rides, you know. Uh, and I went there and I was like, oh my, people are having fun. Oh, people are having fun. And I was like, I wouldn't know 
what they are feeling or what they're experiencing if I don't get into one and experience it. So hmm, I got into a ride and I did the Manta and the Mako. Both of them, you know, you know them, right? The adrenaline, <sighs> the thrill, the speed, the turns, the twists, the heights. Wow, it was just, wow. I had an amazing experience. But the best experience that I had was screaming. Because sometimes in life, you just need an opportunity to scream without being judged. If you're like me, if I started screaming here, you'll judge me or you get worried. So I had that opportunity to just scream and no one is telling me to shut up. So that was really, that was really fun. And this reminded me about life. We, we have so many opportunities to have fun. There's so much fun and adventure in life. But we also have an opportunity or a choice to make. We can decide to, you know spectate as, as others are having fun or participate in it and get to enjoy the fun for ourselves. And with that, I'm inviting you once again to our continued uh, parable series that we started last week. And today, we are going to look at the parable of the sower. What is a parable? Thank you for asking. A parable is a true-to-life story, a simple story that illustrates a spiritual truth. I just gave you a story. Maybe that's a parable. The parable that you're going to look at today was designed to represent the kingdom of heaven, the method of planting the kingdom message into the world of its growth and its success. So if you have your bulletin, you can go there with me, or if you have your Bible, you can turn there with me. We're going to read the scripture there, and that is Matthew 13. You have two sets of scripture, so we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 9. That's the first set. And then I'll speak into the second set through the sermon. This is what it says. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered, because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty, what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. We see Jesus going to the beach and gets into a boat and starts giving a story about a farmer or a sower. And probably the people who are gathered at the beach were wondering, why is this man talking about dirt and seed? We are at the beach, hello, can we talk about fish or something more relevant to the scenario? But we see Jesus, we know, you and I know that the people who followed Jesus followed him for different reasons. Some just wanted to come and see the next miracle he's going to perform, the next wonder that he's going to show. Some had genuine needs that they needed met. Probably some were sick and they needed to be healed. 
We have people who come and follow Jesus for different physical reasons. But we see Jesus taking time to show them and to illustrate them and explain to them matters of the kingdom. But because they came for different agendas, not everyone was interested to listen to what he had to say. Let them who have ears hear. We see Jesus using parables to separate the spectators from the participants. To separate those people who came so that they can have a story to go tell. To separate those people who came so that they can have something to talk about in the village from those people who were keenly wanting to know what he is talking about. It is only those who intentionally listened and leaned in to hear what Jesus was talking about that understood the secrets of the kingdom. He could be telling very simple common stories, but the secret behind that was only revealed to the people who intentionally wanted to understand. In our story, the parable of the sower, we see a sower who went out to cut seed that fell into four different grounds. Now, the sower here is Jesus, who when preaching the gospel of the kingdom, which is the seed, the audience represented there was differently qualified and differently disposed. As a person is likened to the soil. Why? Because it has the ability to be activated. It has the ability to be improved. And it also has the ability to bear fruit. The work or the obligation, the responsibility of the sower or the communicator of the word is to communicate the gospel, is to cast the seed. It is upon the soil to decide whether to receive the seed or to reject it. The difference in these particular soils can be as simple as the difference between a spectator and a participant. The people are the soil. You are the soil. I am a soil, of course. Everyone is a soil. The president for sure is a soil. All the gator fans are soils. Everybody is a soil. The question is, what soil are you? I don't know, but let's find out. The first soil is the one, is the pathway or the road soil. And when the seed was cast on this soil, the birds quickly came and picked up the soil. This is likened to a person who, listen, who hears the word of God, but they do not understand. Some even don't want to hear it. This is likened to a person who has a state of heart, a state of self-sufficiency, self-satisfaction, self-righteousness. It's all about self. This is someone who says, I can do it by myself. I got this. I am able. My life is good. I don't need a savior. I don't need God. What difference is he going to make in my life? This is a person who says, I don't want to hear the gospel. Because I don't need it. I, they, I can't embrace it. And guys, let me tell you. At the background, there's someone who is at work. And that is the enemy. He works so hard to blinden the hearts of many who do not believe. 
that they cannot believe or hear the gospel of Christ, the gospel of truth, the gospel of light. And many are bound in captivity. Many are in bondage. Many have been lied to. They cannot see the true identity that they, they should receive from Christ. They cannot receive the healing that we receive for Christ. The freedom that we receive from Christ. Why? Because they are all about themselves. Some of the tools that the enemy uses to blind these people is false teachings. They've been taught that you're all that you need. You are enough. You don't need anything to be who you are born to be. That's a lie. They've been lied to and they're full of pride, ego. I can do it. I, I, I. And that person is an easy target of the enemy. He will quickly come and snatch whatever simple word that they receive that they may not have time even to meditate or even try to understand it. Still every opportunity that they get to hear the word of God. He is a good thief. John 10, 10 tells us of his job description. The work of the enemy is to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's very good at that. He'll steal every opportunity to hear the word. Every chance to hear the word. Every step, every decision you want to make to be a believer. He'll steal that so quickly. But Christ came that we may have life and have it in abundance. Oh, there is hope in Christ. There is abundance in Christ. My dear fellow soils, may we choose Christ. May we choose life. The second soil, this is a rocky ground. And when seed fell on this rocky ground, it sprouted up so quickly. But when the sun hit, do you know the sun in Florida? When the sun hit the plant, it scorched it so quickly and it sprang down. It died because it did not have root. You and I know that a plant cannot survive if it does, if, if it does not have roots. Because it is the work of the roots to give the life-giving nutrients to the plant so that it can survive. So if no roots, no life. This is likened to a person who is super excited to hear the word of God. They're always happy. Very early to come to church. Sit, grab their coffee, enjoy the music. Wow, have fun. Listen to the word of God. But meet them on Wednesday. Hey, how are you doing? What do you have? I went to church on Sunday. What did you learn? It was very powerful. What did you learn? Oh, it was beautiful. What did you learn? The word is gone. There is no storage. There is no retention of the word of God. This is someone who is excited to do many good things for God or in the name of God. They will be here and there and doing stuff and doing many things, good things, but not creating time to cultivate a relationship with the God that they claim to be doing stuff for. Let me ask you a question. 
Do you ever sit down quietly by yourself? Probably close your eyes and listen. Because if we keep doing and doing and doing, we will all burn out. It is good to do stuff. It is good to be involved in many stuff. But what is better and what brings God joy and glory is building or cultivating a relationship with him. That is what he is most interested in, a relationship with him. This person, this shallow ground is likened to a person who would call themselves a Christian, but they are not a disciple. They will show up in church because they're a Christian. If you ask them, why are you a Christian? I was born going to church. If you ask them, why are you a Christian? My name is in the Bible. My name is Grace. It's in the Bible. My name is John. It's in the Bible. My name is Anderson. What? Anderson? That's not in the Bible. You're not a Christian. This is someone who would say, when I go to vote, and they have this checklist. I don't tick as a Hindu. I don't tick as an atheist. I don't tick as a Muslim. I tick as a Christian. So guess what? I'm a Christian. But they don't want to pay the cost of being a disciple. This is like someone who goes for shopping and gets this beautiful, good-looking dress. Wears it on Friday during a friend's wedding with a tag on it. And then on Monday, takes it back to the store. Because they don't want to pay the price. You know them, right? And what is this price? What is this price of a disciple? It's simple. It's investing in prayer, in the word of God, and in Christ-centered communities. Surrounding ourselves with spaces and people and environments that we can get to hear more, pray more, learn more, and grow more in a relationship with Christ. This shallow soil, when the sun hits, it falls back to its background, which is the hard, sad, hopeless rock that has no life-giving nutrients, has no moisture, has no water to give to the seed that it has received. Many of us, we find ourselves when Times of trouble come as much as we enjoy being in church. But when really hard time comes, we find ourselves sleeping back into our old, nasty, stinking habits that we've been trying to run away from. The same dragon we've been trying to run away from is the same one that we go back to. Why? Because we don't have roots to sustain us in hard times. Sin thrives in secrecy. And if we don't want to be in the light, we will continue wallowing in the same thing that we've been running away from. But a disciple, because they invested in prayer, in hard times, the prayer will sustain them. Because they've invested in the word, in hard times, the word will uphold them. And because they've invested in the right communities, in hard times, when they don't feel like praying, when it's so hard for them, guess what? That community will care for them. They'll pray for them. And that community will keep them accountable to keep straight. Hold, them, hold their hands not to slip back to where they're running from. A true disciple knows 
that what they surround themselves with or what they invest in informs who they are becoming. My dear fellow soil, who are you becoming? A true disciple of Jesus is not only willing to give up a few shows, a few time here and there to create some five minutes out of the 24 hours in a day to spend time with God. No, it's more than that. A true disciple is willing to give their entire life to Christ, to let him be in charge, to let him be in control. And because of that, then they're willing to cultivate a relationship with him. My time in India last year, I got a chance to encounter with many people who had very gut-wrenching stories of what they've gone through because of their faith in Christ. Because someone said yes to the Lord, their family rejects them. Their family chases them. And it gets worse. Their family wants to kill them. And many have died because they said yes to the Lord. I remember meeting this woman. She had burns on her hands and her face. And she got those bands because her house was touched to fire. And she was trying to rescue her child who did not survive the fire. Why? Because she said yes to Jesus. And the main question was like, why? Why? And she always said, I don't care if I lose my life for the one who gave his life for me. She is willing and many are willing to give up their lives for the one who gave their lives for them. My dear fellow soil, what do we need to give up so that we can create room to develop and cultivate a relationship with Christ? The third soil. This is the soil that had thorns in it. And we see that there is hope to the seed that falls on this soil. Because it gets to get root, it germinates, it grows. And it's becoming a huge, nice stalk. But just before it releases some flower, it gets choked by the thorns that are growing around it. The thorns are the worries of life and the deceitfulness of riches. Oh, don't we have worries? We worry every single day. We worry about our health. We've received a negative report from the doctor. We worry of the outcome. We worry about our children. What will they become? We worry about our marriage. It's in shambles. We worry about our jobs. Some of us worry if you're going to make enough money before we retire. We have worries. Some of us are worried of bringing children to this world because it's so broken. We are worried about what's going to be in the next election. We are so worried. We have worries around ourselves. Another word for worry is anxiety. And let me tell you one thing. Many of the diseases that we're trying to fight today are as a result of anxiety. Guys, anxiety is a killer. Worry is a murderer. Run away from it. It's interesting how in this parable, Jesus clusters worry together with the deceitfulness of riches. People worry because we feel helpless. We get ourselves in situations that we feel helpless, so the best thing is to worry and drive into depression. But others are like, 
What if I made one more dollar? What if I got another job? What if I bought another car? Ooh, I'll feel better. What if I bought another house? When I have chaos with my wife, I'll run to the other house. What if I got another wife? Huh? What if I do this? What if I do that? And people in desire to make their lives better have clustered their lives with schedules upon schedules, activities upon activities. We have surrounded ourselves with support system. We know who to call. When I have an issue at work, I call John. When I have an issue with my marriage, I call Mary. When I have an issue with my in-laws, I call Sophia. And then maybe pray. We try to find support around us, almost making God irrelevant in our lives. But the question is, life is happening. It's real. It's true. It's happening. It's so fresh. The health, the economy, the relationships, the family, it's true. There are thorns everywhere. There is pain everywhere. There is reason to worry everywhere. What should I do? Should I get, what, some more riches? Should I get, try and get this and that? Let me tell you something about riches. It looks good, but at the end of it, it's so deceitful. And because of that, people have made unwise decisions and wallow in debts. So now, what do we do? What's the solution? What if we prayed? What if, instead of worrying, we actually prayed? I'll read for you a scripture. And this is Philippians chapter 4, from verse 6 to verse 7. This is a message translation. Oh, how I loved it. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. So that means worry will be there. But who is at the center of your life? If we allow Christ to be the center of our life, beautiful things will come out of that worry. It will not shock us. Sometime a few years back, um, we went through a very hard financial situation in my family. And for so many days, I was worried when I saw the sun come down. I wasn't excited to see a sunset because I didn't know where I would sleep that day. For so long, we moved from house, hopping from one house to the other because we could not afford the rent and we lost everything we had. 
And there are nights we slept hungry. There are nights we slept on cold cement floor. And the night all I craved for was a good meal. All I craved for was a nice shower. All I craved for was a warm place to lay my head. I was worried every day when I saw the sunset. But when I look back, I feel that God has created perseverance in me through the situations that I went through. And that tells me that through the circumstances that we go through, God wants to bring something beautiful out of you if we allow him. He's been creating that in me. And patience too. No, wait. <laughs> um, let's remove patience. It's still a work in progress. He's still working that in me. In your situation, what do you think God would want to be working in you? if you surrender them to him. For eight years of my life, I remember battling for my health. Every day, depending on painkillers. And there are nights that the painkillers could not work. There are nights I could just throw off everything. Nothing could get into my body. And I remember recording on my phone my goodbye message to the people that I love so that at least I can say a goodbye. Because I was worried I will not see through the night. I was in pain. Surprise. <laughs> I didn't die. Here I am. But I can stand here and tell you that God is a healer. He is a pain taker. He is a provider. And he wants to show you different attributes of himself if we allow him. And he wants to use the circumstances in our lives to show us so many beautiful attributes of him that we have no idea of. Let's surrender to him everything that has been weighing us down in prayer and wait and see the beautiful thing that he'll bring out of it. Because honestly, sometimes when you pray, he will not bring the situation away, but he will give you the grace to walk through that and give you a beautiful song after all that is said and done. It's only in battle or in war that surrender is considered as defeat. But in God, surrendering is the beginning of victory. And he wants us to be victorious. My dear fellow soils, what do you need to surrender to God today that you may bear the fruit that he wants you to bear. The fourth soil, which is our last soil, good news, this is a good soil. And this is a soil that receives the seed, holds it up, and walks with the seed, if the soil does walk, until it bears fruit. This is likened to someone who hears the word. They understand it and they bear fruit. They produce a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. It doesn't have to be perfect, but there is fruit in it. This soil receives the same seed as the first hardened soil, but it believes. This soil receives the 
same seed, with the same excitement as the second soil. And this soil receives the same seed in the same world that is full of worries and reaches deceitfulness as the third soil. But what's the difference with this soil? It is deep enough and it has the life-giving nutrients to give to this seed until it bears fruit. A good soil needs to be plowed. It needs to be cultivated. It needs to be broken. A good soil needs the stones to be taken away. The stones have to be far away from the soil. For us to have a good soil, the thorns have to be uprooted. And of course, someone has to plant the seed and to water it. It is a responsibility of the soil to make sure that the seed it receives bears fruit. But you and I know that the soil cannot do all these things to itself. The good soil has an ongoing relationship with the sower who cultivates it, who plows it, who waters it, who removes the stone, who uproots the thorns and sees to it that it bears fruit. You and I are capable of bearing good fruit, 30, 60, 100, as much as God can enable us because we are differently abled to bear the fruit that he wants us to bear only if we walk in a good relationship with him. Only if we allow him to take us through the processes of preparation. We need to invest in prayer, invest in the word, invest in the right communities, invest in service, in ministry, bear much fruit as he allows us to. It doesn't happen overnight. It is a process. A good soil does not fold its arms to watch and see what's going to happen. Will I be good? Maybe yes, maybe not. But a good soil rolls up its sleeves, gets in and participates in what the sower is doing. God has invited us into a process of preparation. It's in the turning, it's in the digging, it's in the breaking, it's in the pressing that a good soil is made. But we need to trust the process. So I have a question. What soil are you? I'll give you a minute to think about that and invite us into a moment of reflection and prayer. Maybe you're here and you're saying, I think, can I think I'm the first soil? I have been playing hard to get with God. Every time he knocks at the door of my heart, I lock it. And you're saying, today, I want to open it up. I want to receive him. I want to allow him to be my Lord and my Savior. Guys, that's the first process into becoming a good soil. It's fast saying yes 
to the sower. Saying yes to the Lord. Maybe you're there and you're saying, I think that's my call today. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to start a relationship with him. When you walked in, you received a pencil and you have your bulletin. So you can just share it with me. No hard feelings. Write your name and your contact if that's you. And then on your way out, just drop it out there. I would want to know you and would want to walk with you. Let nothing steal that choice that you've made to start your journey with the Lord. Maybe you're here and you're saying, I think I'm the second soil. I'm excited about Christianity. I'm excited about God's stuff. But every time I go through a hard time, I slid back to the same things I've been running away from. Please help me. I want to be a disciple. I want to be in the right community. I want to invest in the right relationships. I want to know how to pray. I want to know how to read the word. What do I do? I need help. We are willing to help you. And let me tell you one thing I've seen about the pastors at Summit, the, the few months I've been here. They commit to praying for you. And they want to walk with you in this journey. So if that's you and you need help, in the next steps, write your name on the card. Your contact. Leave it outside there and someone will be in touch with you. But if you're saying that some of those things, I just need to let them go right now. And I'm doing it right now. You need to surrender those things that have been struggling you. That you cannot bear fruit. You know them. I have no idea. But you do. You know what you need to surrender. That baggage that you've been carrying. That you need to lay at the feet of Jesus. Write it down. In this piece of paper. Do not write your name. You, this is between you and God. No one wants to know. And in a short time, you're going to have communion. Come and drop it on the table. Not because there's any magic on this table, no. But that is a sign of surrender, that you've surrendered it to the Lord. And when you walk out of here, you're walking out as a free person. And when the enemy tries to remind you, remind him that you left it at the feet of Jesus. There is victory in surrender. Surrender it to God. And let him be in church. But if you're here and you're saying, I kind of think I've been bearing some fruit, but I'm at 30-ish percent, I'd want to do more. Maybe your next opportunity to bear fruit is the empty seat next to you. Who do you need to invite to church? Maybe it's your home. Who do you need to invite over for pizza and watermelon and talk about faith? Who do you need to pray for? Is it at work? Maybe at work. Maybe in your neighborhood. Maybe your friend at the gym. I don't know. But that could be your next fruit. Who do you need to share the gospel with? Maybe you feel like I want to go to the next step. I want to lead a group. I want to share the faith. I want to preach. You know, I want to share my life. I want to share my time and give the knowledge that I know and share the word with someone. You want to do that. Go for it. 
Maybe it's in your giving. The Lord has enabled you to participate in his kingdom through giving. And you know that you've been giving 30% and God has blessed you and you can give 60%. Talk to him about it and ask him, Lord, is this the next step that you want me to do or to take? I'm going to go to 60 or go to 100. Every one of us has a role to play. And it is my prayer that we'll boldly take that step and allow God to work through us to bear the fruit for the kingdom. Let us pray. Our Lord, we, we honor you this afternoon. You are a good, good father. You, oh, there is none like you, oh God. Thank you for loving us so much that today we could be reminded of who we are, that we are like those soils that receive the seed. And I pray, oh Lord, for the next steps that we are taking to becoming a fruitful soil, would you help us every single step of the way? Sometimes we give up because we think it's so hard, but Lord, we surrender to you and may you take control. May you be in charge. May you lead all through. We surrender to you, oh God. Father, I wanna pray for someone who's saying, I'm making the first step of giving my life to Christ or recommitting my life again to Christ. Lord, I thank you because you're like a father with arms open wide to receive your son. May they know that you've received them this afternoon. For those of us who are saying, I just need to let go of the things that I've been running back to, Lord, would you help them in that step? And for those who are saying that I think my life I've been, I've been strangled. I can't breathe. The things happening in my life are too much and I need to surrender them. I can't handle it anymore. I need the Lord to take the burden off my shoulders. Lord, we surrender those unto your feet this morning. And for those of us who are saying, I'm ready for the next step of bearing fruit. Help us understand what that step looks like for each and every one of us. Lord, we honor you, we bless you, and we exalt your name. In Jesus' name we pray.